0: Thank you for tuning in to the New Birth Podcast. There's a word of hope for you today, and we are excited for what God is doing here at New Birth. For more information, visit our website, envyplaceofhope.com. Whether you're from the house or whether you're new, I believe God has something special for you today. How many say Amen to that? Amen. For those that don't know me, my name is Manny Rosario. I'm from Calvary, Orlando, all the way to Winter Park. But just consider me, I'm Uncle Manny. I come for special occasions. All right? you, you, how many have that uncle that only come for Thanksgiving, Christmas? Right? They eat up all the food. Now that's me. I'm Uncle Manny, and, I'm, and I'm not, I didn't come alone. With me is my wonderful wife, Mimi. Mimi, can you say what's up? <laughs> Let me tell you guys something. Uh, I believe that what God is doing in new birth is an anomaly, which means it's, it's, it's unusual. It's it's even awkward because what God is doing through this church in such a small amount of time is supernatural. And and, and God is using Pastor Gabby, God is using the pastoral team, God is using the staff, God is using every single volunteer that got here at 6 a.m. or 7 a.m. to set up and then later on to tear down to build a culture that's going to change Kissimmee, that's going to change Poinciana, that's going to change, uh, uh, poor St. Lucie, that's going to continue to change all of Central Florida because you get to play a big part in that. Amen? Come on, give yourselves an applause. You guys do doing something cool. Yeah. So receive greetings from my pastor, Ed Garvin, and from our two children, uh, Manny Jr. and Alexander. Alexander's doing a human video, one of those things where you stand up on top of people at the church. And uh, my oldest son, he's over at Journey Church with Pastor JJ. And uh, I just love to mention them because I believe that if I'm going out preaching the gospel, I want to let you know my kids are doing the same in one way or another as well. And it's a pleasure to do ministry as a family and do the great things that we're doing together. Amen? Amen. I want to I go into the word of God today. And, and I have the great privilege to, 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 to finish off the series, No One. And today we're going to talk about uh, no one loves like Jesus. No one loves like Jesus. I don't know about you, but my Spotify has been on repeat with the song, No One. How many here have been the same, right? Isn't it a good song? What I love about the song that, that New Birth Worship put together is that it is theologically correct, Amen? That it is theologically correct and it inspires me as I go to work or I'm in the gym trying to get back in shape. It inspires me and it reminds me of everything that God did for me. Amen? And and, and as we've been in the series of of no one, we want to close it out with reminding everyone here that no one will love you like Jesus. Nobody. Tell, Tell somebody, no one. No one will love you like Jesus. And, 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 and that's important for us to know. And as we go into today's sermon, I want you to think about this. Think about what God is going to do through this sermon today. How are you going to leave different than the way you came in? And I want to allow the Holy Spirit to take, take over in this room right now. So can you pray with me? Father God, we come before you and we thank you because we are reminded once again through the worship, through the atmosphere that's already been set, that you are in this place. I ask you, O God, that you can use me as your voice, uh, as as your voice piece, that I I may transmit what's come directly from your throne room and that today lives may be changed. We're believing for the altar to have people receiving salvation, restoration, transformation, and through the word of God that is being preached that's alive, that there may be something beginning to happen in the lives of everyone here. And everyone in the house says right now, Come on, so give a loud amen to Jesus if you can. Yeah. Amen, amen, amen. So been, this has been a series, and, and, and I'm aware of the series because I listen to the podcast. I got my church, but I listen to the podcast of what God is doing in New Birth. And it's been a series that's been centered around Jesus. And I love that because every part of our life should be centered around Jesus. Every single thing we've heard that we gotta make Jesus our priority, right? We've heard that 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 Jesus has to be number one. But can I tell you that more than number one, Jesus has has to be, has to be in the center of everything that we do? Because if he's in the center, he's gonna be in the center of my job, in the center of my ministry, in the center of my finances, in the center of my life, and that's what matters. He's the center of it all, and we've been talking about this, and today we want to talk about love. You see, what I'm learning about today's society is that we are now too often loving things and using people instead of using things and loving people. Come on, somebody. We're living in a society that loves material things and uses people to get them. But God wants to remind you and I today that we are to use things and love one another just, how, just like Christ loved you and I. In fact, Jesus told his disciples, and they shall know that you are my disciples when they see how you love one another. And that's key for us today, church because in a season where 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 the world and our government and our country is forgetting more about God it's going to take a revival happening in schools a revival happening in communities a revival happening in the marketplace now we're simply standing on top of a, of a, of, a, of a of a PA system and preaching that's how I grew up in Brooklyn, New York. People would stand in the corner with a mic and be like, hallelujah, hallelujah, glory to Jesus, hallelujah, praise the Lord, hallelujah. Is this what this thing work working? They start preaching. But I believe it's going to be an organic thing that God's going to do in this season that as you sit in your cubicle, something's going to permeate out of you and it's going to touch the person next to you. Come on. That as you're you're working at the car wash and you're singing your song with your headphones on, somebody's going to start saying, what song are you singing? You'll be like, I'm singing no one. You know that song? You heard of that song? Is it on the radio? No. It's on Spotify. It's on iTunes. You can get it. You want to hear it? And you're just going to begin to show the love of Jesus that we've been all called to show. So I want to tell you this, and this is important because my wife is here. Uh, When I first started talking to my wife, I was around 14 years old. If I was to take it back, I would tell you I was 12 years old when I asked her out. 12 years old, a little bit of peach fuzz right here. And when I first asked her out, she told me I was too young. But when I turned 14 or 15 years old, we started talking and we started writing letters, right? No text messaging back in the 90s. we would have to long phone calls, you know what I'm saying? And, and, and in these long phone calls, I would often tell her, hey, babe, I love you. And she'll say, I like you. <laughs> and, and, and I'll be like, babe, but I love you. And she'll be like, but I like you. And in my head, I was like, man, when is she going to tell me she loves me? Because I love her with all my heart. I want her in my life. But all she tells me is is she likes me. And and, and after two or three years of talking, one day I said, "I, I love you. And she said, I love you too. I then asked her, why did it take so long for you to tell me I love you? And she told me because love takes responsibility. And I wasn't ready to commit to so much. Come on, somebody. Now we throw the word love out like it's any other word. But let me tell you, love requires your responsibility to care for that person, to look out for that person, to respond to a text message. Hallelujah. It takes responsibility to love somebody. Can I tell you, it took all of God to love you and I. It took all of God to love every single little part of you and I. And that's important for us to know because love is not love. I want to contradict what that one actor said, if you allow me to. There's an actor in Broadway that said, love is love is love is love is love. That's a contradiction, church. Let me tell you why it's a contradiction. It's a contradiction because a definition cannot define a definition. Love cannot be love. The only person that truly is love is God. God is love. 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 love. The root word to love is God. It is not love. So although we live in a culture that says love anybody, I can't love anybody just yet. I've got to feel responsibility to love them. And more importantly, I've got to love myself before I can love them. Oh. See, this is important for us to know. Because we cannot be so focused about loving others if we are, 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 we, if we are forgetting that he first loved us. And if I'm going to show the responsibility that Jesus showed towards me i got to be reminded that I was fearfully and wonderfully made. i got to be reminded that before I, before I was formed in the womb of my mother, he knew me and he ordained me. i got to be reminded that I am more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus because when I'm reminded of his promises, then I am confident enough to know that when it's time to love somebody, I can give them what I have because I know who gave it to me. And that's the reason why... We've confused love with lust. We live in a culture that has confused love with lust. And they're distant cousins. In fact, they don't even know each other at all. Because lust is what you want from someone. But love is what you want to give back to someone. See, lust is about, ooh, I want that girl. Love is about, I want to give something to that girl. (laughs) <laughs> I know there's a lot of young people here. Can I tell you something? The Bible says this. He that finds a wife finds a good thing. Which means that before you can get married and become a wife, you need to be acting like a wife before they find you. And I know we live in a culture that's all about selfies and all about... Making sure you look good and make sure that selfie looks nice and the filter's on and everything else. But the reality is that when you wake up in the morning, you're going to be looking like Shanaynay. And he's never seen that before. Somebody's like, who's Shanaynay? You have to go see Living Color, okay? (laughs) Tell somebody love requires my responsibility. And if we're going to look for... If we're going to look for an example of, of how to love, we got to look at somebody that showed it all the time. If we're going to show an example and look for an example of how we're supposed to love, we got to look at somebody that lived it throughout his whole life, and his name is Jesus. So how was it that Jesus loved? Number one, Jesus shows us love that forgives. Jesus shows us love that forgives. I've heard it said so many times before. Hey, I, I, I forgive, but I don't forget. Right? I, I forgive, but I don't forget. And, and it's been talked about. It's been debated. But can I tell you this? How many have ever fallen off their bike? Do you remember when you fell off your bike? Who remembers when they had that hard fall? Can I tell you, one day, I, I lived in Brooklyn, and one day, My my grandmother bought me this scooter. Back in the 80s, the scooter was in style. My grandmother bought me a scooter. And I went from 63rd Street all the way to 42nd Street without telling my dad, all right? And, and, And when I was getting back and I was turning the corner back to the house, all of a sudden, this big black belt came out like Indiana Jones whip, caught my legs. I fell to the ground and just scratched my knees. Ah, God, oh my God. My dad, uh, get me a whooping. You know, back in the day, Puerto Rican dads will, will hit you by surprise. You wouldn't even know when the chancla was coming. It just, pa. Right? Nowadays, it's all about go to your room. I'm going to give you three spankings. I want you to think about what you did, and then I'm going to go ahead and spank you three times. Not me. I just got hit by surprise. Bow, wah, wah, wah. Well, you hear me? All right. But I fell off my scooter, scratched my knees. I still remember that today. I don't got the marks of it, but I remember. You see, see, I healed from that, but I still remember. See, there's nothing wrong with, with remembering as long as you've been healed. And you have to allow God to heal those areas that are still open wounds in your life so that you can look back and say, I remember, but it doesn't hurt anymore. I remember when she left me. I remember when he left me. I remember when it happened. I remember when I was betrayed. But God's made me new. God's restored me. I'm a new person in Christ Jesus. There's nothing wrong with remembering. Remember all you want. In fact, Jesus on the cross said to remember what he did for us and after the cross and the resurrection he showed them his wounds and he was able to show them because it didn't hurt anymore see we live in a time that we're hiding our wounds you see and a wound is different than a scar see a wound still hurts but a scar is a remembrance of what happened to you If you're willing to show your scars to the people that need to know that you went through some hard, hard times, and if you went through it, they can get through it too, you'd be more like Jesus to be able to let them know, touch my hand, it's me. Touch my side, it's me. And if I was able to get through this, you will get resurrection power as well. Can I tell you, you have resurrection power within you. You have the Holy Spirit working in your life. You have resurrection power in you. More than that, you have healing power in you. And if you've come here today and you're broken and you're hurting. And something happened this week that really, really broke your heart. Can I tell you today, Jesus is here to heal you. Jesus is here to make you whole. Jesus chose us a love that forgives. I love what Ephesians 4.32 says. It says, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. I find it interesting how we could be so self-righteous to feel that we have, we have the audacity to not to forgive somebody and then come to church and worship. There you go there. I went there. To have the audacity to, to, to hold back forgiveness to somebody, forgetting that Jesus forgave you. See, we cannot even come and give our offering to God if we have not gone to our neighbor and asked for forgiveness first. In fact, in giving your offering, it's in vain because you have not had fellowship and communion with your brother and sister in Christ. See, what the, what, the, what Satan would want you to do is to lose communion with people because the more you lose communion with people at horizontal relationships, the more you're going to lose communion with your vertical relationship with God. That's why we got to stay in unity. That's why we got to work together. That's why we got to stay in our hope groups. That's why we got to stay in our teams. That's why we got to continue to volunteer because when we do things together, God begins to work. God begins to work. We got to learn how to forgive each other. Forgiveness is a choice and it's not a feeling. It's a choice. You got to decide to forgive. It's not about feeling. I don't feel like it yet. We're all about feelings. I don't feel like going to church. I don't feel like forgiving. I don't feel like doing. I'm not ready yet. It's not about feeling. It's about doing. It's a decision that we have to make because when you forgive, check this out, church. When you forgive, it's not for them. When you forgive, it's for you. When you forgive, you release them of what they did to you. When you don't forgive, it's like you thinking you're giving them poison, but you're drinking it instead. What it is, I and mean, then you grow roots of bitterness happening in your life, and you become bitter. When you become bitter, those roots come all around your heart, and your heart hardens, and God could be moving in the pla- in this place like He was moving through worship, and you won't feel a thing because of the lack of forgiveness in your life. I find it interesting that, that we've taken the position of that that Satan had in heaven, right? Satan was the head leader of worship. And God's given us that to us. And Satan has not been able to forgive God for replacing him with you and I. That's why he hates you so much. Because you do what he used to do. He has this root of bitterness in him that he cannot forgive. He cannot forget. And because of that, he comes after you and I. Because he hates the fact that you do what he used to do. And you are simply dirt and dust. That you were created with the thing that he was condemned to. That he was created with words, but God came down and touched you. Hmm. He hates the fact that God said, let us make man. But when he created all of the angels, and he created all of nature. He set them into existence. He hates the fact that God loves you and I so much. That's why you cannot withhold forgiveness from other people. Because when you do that, you open the door for the enemy to work in your life. I like this because it takes time and prayer to forgive. You know that, church. It takes time in your quiet time with God to ask God, God, I need you to work in my life. It hurt me. They betrayed me. They forgot about me. They walked away from me. It hurt, but I got to forgive. I got to forgive. It's for my own good. I got to forgive. If you forgave on the cross, he said, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. Jesus said it from the cross. He said, in their ignorance, they don't know that they're crucifying the Christ. You see, there's people that have hurt you because they're ignorant. See, and ignorance is not stupidity. Ignorance is that they don't know who you were. Ah... See, ignorance is not knowing and doing something out of of ignorance. is to simply not know that they were supposed to be done a certain way. Foolishness is to know and not do it. But there's people in your life that just didn't know that it was God that was working in your life that just didn't know, Joseph, that you had a dream and that dream came from God and they betrayed you, they left you in a pit, they walked away from you. But can I tell you that when they come back to you years later, you have a choice. You could either kill all of your brothers, or you can forgive them and take off your mask and take off your clothes and remind them it's me, guys. I'm your brother, and I could have killed you right now, but I love you. And what, what the enemy meant for evil, God is used for good. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Sometimes we don't know why things are happening in our life, and it's God allowing them to mature you. God allows the betrayal of somebody else to make you stronger to rely on him. So we got to forgive. We got to forgive. When the wrongs we committed can't be justified in our minds, our hearts hold us accountable. But Jesus has already forgiven us after we ask. If he forgives us for every sin, we need to forgive ourselves as well. When I look at Jesus, I see how, he's, how he forgives everyone. And, and, and sometimes we put parameters of who can be forgiven. I grew up in a very legalistic church. Right? And if you came to the church dressed a certain way, they wouldn't allow you to participate in certain things. Let me tell you, that's not how Jesus operates. Jesus doesn't operate that way. Jesus wants you included in the number. See, Jesus loves priests and Jesus loves prostitutes. Ha, ha. Jesus loves them all Jesus died hallelujah for the disciples but he also died for the soldiers that nailed him to the cross Jesus laid it all down for everyone and if Jesus did that I'm called to do it as well I'm called to do it as well can you can you just take a moment to remember of something that somebody did to you and just ask God 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 if I haven't released them yet this is my moment to let it go this is my moment to let it go. This is my moment to let it go. Because if I don't let this go, it's going to hold me back from what you have in front of me. I've seen it in my own life. I've seen it. I've seen it. I've seen it. Can I be, can I be, can I be really honest with you guys? My, 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 my dad went through unfaithfulness with my mom. And my dad remarried. And I was bitter about this. And, and one day my dad came to my church and he brought me a piece of paper. And he said, hey, can you marry me and my wife? And I had a choice. I had a choice. I could have said, Dad, I am not doing that. I don't even like your wife. She don't cook like mom. But I had a choice of grace. And I chose, give me the paper and bring her in. Let's do the ceremony in my office. I'll marry you guys right now. You see, I had to learn to renew my mind. Can I tell you more? Where I really felt pain is when I went back to the house I grew up in, and there was another lady in the kitchen. And it wasn't my mom cooking. It was another lady cooking in the kitchen. And the first time I saw it, it hurt me. It broke me. I said, get away from that fridge. That's my mom's fridge. I didn't say that. I was thinking in my head. Get away from that stove. That's my mom's stove. Huh? get away from those knives and those utensils, those are my mom's, that's my mom's blender, get away, you don't make I see like my mom, get away, huh? I'm going through all this in my mind and in my heart, and, and, and I couldn't go back to the house until one day I told God, God, you need to renew my mind, and God started working in my mind and telling me that is no longer your home, that is simply a house, and then I was able to go back to the house like nothing. She was in the kitchen. She cooks. She does different things. Well, she doesn't cook all the time. But, she, she, but I was able to understand. It's no longer my home. It's a house. It's renewing of the mind. And I was able to forgive. And when I, forg- when I forgave, I released it. And I was free to become whole. Number two, Jesus shows us sacrificial love. You know, I think we live in a time... Love, we want love to be convenient. And love is never convenient. Love requires you to do things you don't want to do. Love requires you denying yourself for someone else. In fact, I already got on the girls. Can I go out and get on the guys? See, see, the Bible says that if you're going to become a husband, you've got to be willing to give your life for your wife just like Christ gave his life for the church. Which means you're not just getting a a, a booty call. You're not just getting the beautiful girl at a young age. You have to be willing to die for her. And that's important. Because if if we're going to love like Jesus loved, we have to love with a sacrificial love. Where I'm continuously denying my wants to do the wants of God. I have to continuously to deny my wants to do what? Even love in, in, in a marriage level to do what she wants. And then she gives up what she wants so I can get what I want. And it's a mutual relationship, not just in marriage, in friendships. What's, because at the end, it's all reciprocal. Somebody say reciprocal. Reciprocal is that if I'm in a relationship, Dwight, if I'm in a relationship with Dwight, Dwight's my boy, Dwight's my friend, I'm going to know what Dwight's favorite restaurant is. And when it's time to go out, I'll be like, Dwight, you ready? You ready, Dwight? We're going out to eat, Dwight. You ready, Pastor Dwight? We're going to go out to eat to your favorite restaurant. Because I know what he loves. And when, when it's time for me to go out, he's going to know which restaurant I like. Right? And I got a lot of restaurants I like. I'm not going to mention all of them right now. But that's how it is. We have to sacrifice our wants for, 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 for what God wants us to be and what God wants us to do. Luke 9, 23 and verse 24 says, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for the sake and my sake will save it. See, true love does not self-preserve. True love gives itself completely. Completely. You see, self-preservation is a source of pride. When you preserve yourself because you don't want to be hurt again, it's not true love. Well, I'm, yeah, I'm in this relationship now, but then I'm not going to, you ain't going to do like to me like Tyrone did to me. Uh-uh, not here, you ain't going to do that. Right? And the guy's like, who's Tyrone? I don't even know who Tyrone is. Huh? And you're you're treating that person like the person that broke you. And that person's a totally brand new person, but you built guardrails in front of your heart when God never said to gate it. God said to guard it. God never said to gate your heart. God never said to put a, a security guard in front of your heart. God said to guard your heart, not gate your heart. And many times, we don't want to live sacrificially because we're saying, well, I went to that church, and that church hurt me, so I'm going to go to this church. You know what I say, no, I'm not going to do nothing. No, I just want to sit. You're not called to sit. You're called to serve. And you heal as you serve. That's what I've learned. Through activity, I get better. That's why the doctor, when you go to surgery, the doctor right away says, hey, you need to get on your feet. You need to get moved. You need to walk around the halls of the hospital because you need to get out of here because that room belongs to somebody else. You see, and the church is not a museum. The church is a, is a hospital of broken people. But that seat belongs to somebody else. Because the, the moment you were healed, the moment you were whole, God is saying, get up out of that seat. I need it for somebody else. I need it for somebody else. That's what I love about going to the hospital. They kick you out. They give you they, they give you messed up food so you leave quicker. Like this is not mashed potatoes. This is some kind of potato soup. This is not meatloaf. Right? Because at the end, the church is not a place to get comfortable. The church is the place where the gospel continuously makes you uncomfortable. Because it's going against the grain. It's going against the flesh. It's going against what the soul wants. It's going towards what the spirit has already ordained for you. And it requires you and I coming out of our comfort zones. So number three, when you come to Jesus, you walk away from comfort and you move into sacrifice. And that's important for us because putting your own needs and desires and wants aside to focus on others' needs and wants, you cannot move to Jesus and stay in the comfort zone. I love that every time Jesus did a miracle, he told them, take up your bed, walk. Every time he did a miracle, he made them responsible to walk out that miracle. When the, when the, when the guy was, was, was brought down through the roof of the house, those guys were responsible to make sure that guy got healed. But it was the guy that was broken and the guy that was paralyzed responsibility to take his bed after that and walk. Notice that the four guys didn't take his bed after he was healed. It was his job to take it. And we're all called to come out of our comfort zones every single day and deny ourselves. You see, this is a daily thing. My flesh wants to do what my flesh loves. Whoever tells you that sin is not fun is a liar. Sin is fun. Sin is a lot of fun. Sin is entertaining. But denying yourself daily is what we're called to do. When, when, when it's not my will, but your will be done in my life. Jesus said it in the garden to get Gethsemane. He said, not my will, but your will be done. Because when it's God's will, we'll see things flow in our lives. When it's my will, I strain in my life. For many years, I was saying, God, I want to know what your will is. How many have ever been there? God, how many are there right now? God, I want to know what your will is. What's your will? What's your will? What's your will for my life? What's your will? I need to know your will. Give me revelation of your will. But now that I'm almost 40, I'll be 40 this year, I'm not saying what's your will. I'm saying I just want to be in your will. I don't want to know it. I just want to be in it. Because if I'm in your will, then I'm walking it out, and the more I walk it out, I realize, oh, okay, that's why I went through what I went through five years ago. Oh, oh, now I know why they left me and they walked away from me six years ago. Now I know that why all of this happened because it was going to take me to where I am today. And our commitment and coming out of our comfort zones doesn't just happen on special occasions. It doesn't just happen on Easter. It doesn't just happen on Christmas. It doesn't happen when we have special events. It's a daily thing. It's something that you and I have to continuously Do every morning because we got to remind ourselves that his mercies are new every morning. You know what that means? That means that you should have died when you fell asleep. But you woke up that morning, your eyes open, you got off the bed and his mercy was new for you that morning. And when you're reminded of that, you got to say, God gave me another opportunity to change somebody's life. God's given me another opportunity to share the love of Jesus. So the movement to Jesus pulls me out of comfort and it brings me into growth. Growth. That's why this year, new birth is all about more. Somebody say more. And if we want more, it's going to require you and I doing more. Doing more. Getting out of our comfort zone and doing more. Getting out of our comfort zone and looking at new areas and new homes that we need to put hope groups in we got to come out of our comfort zone and we're going to do what God has called us to do. So Jesus exemplifies this with his life, denies his will and submits himself to the will of the Father. I love what Luke said. It says, whoever would save his life loses it. But whoever loses his life for the sake will save it. And we know that we're, li- we're living in a time where everybody's saying YOLO. Maybe they don't say it. You guys still say that? Man, I'm an old dad. That's so old. Uh, Well, you only live once. No, you don't. You live eternally. You you live eternally. I don't know where you're going to live, but you live eternally. Right? Because at the end, hallelujah, you either go to heaven or you go to hell, but you're going to live forever because we're eternal beings. This is what I want to get to because this is going to require, if we're going to start living this love out like Jesus lived it out, it has to require you continually refreshing your mind. Refreshing who you are. Refreshing what God is calling you to do and living out a life of sacrifice. Romans 12 verse 1 says this. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy. In view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, this is your true and proper worship. What I love about the verse, and I don't have the time to go into it theologically, but I, all I can tell you is this. In the Old Testament, in order for there to be true worship, there had to be something to die. And what died represented that that thing that died took on the sins of that year from me and my family. And when that thing was put on the altar and it was killed, it represented every single part of my iniquities and my sin. But that thing, the moment it was put on the altar, it was killed and it would just consume until the fragrance would get to heaven and God would finally forgive. The difference between that and grace in the New Testament is that you and I are not a dead sacrifice. You and I are a living sacrifice, which means that when you come to church and you begin to enter into the parking lot, and the moment you start coming into the the auditorium, you're becoming a living sacrifice where worship is coming out of you. And you're saying, not my will. I know it's early. I know I don't want to get up this early, but I got to do this because somebody got to get saved today. Somebody got to get saved today. Somebody's life has to change today. That's why I do what I do. Because I have to become a living sacrifice. And when we become living sacrifices, this is proper worship to God. See, worship is not a song. Worship is, is not keys and drums. You bring worship. When you deny yourself and you say, God, I just want to do your will. I just want to do what you want me to do. I want to love how you love. And lastly, number four. I'm able to truly worship and sacrifice because of the view of God's mercy. To know that I should have died in my sin. To know that the sins I committed should have, should have condemned me to hell. See, and some of us that grew up in church, we forget. And we think that because we were born in it, we're in it and we're saved in it. No, 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 no. There has to come a point where you finally give your life to Christ. Because you, you cannot inherit salvation because your parents were saved. You have to finally give your life to Christ personally. This is not a Catholic church or a Methodist church where you keep on saying for five generations, no, we're Catholic. You haven't been in church in five years. No, I'm not my phone. My whole family's Catholic. My whole family's this religion. My whole family, no, 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 no. This is a personal relationship with God. I gotta finally say, God, I want you in my life. And the way I realize that daily is when I remember what I did and how he forgave me. When I remember the sins I committed and and then I'm reminded, man, he forgave me for that too. What I love about his forgiveness is that he forgave what I did. He's going to forgive what I'm doing and he's already forgave what I'm about to do. That's the love he has for you and I. I'm able to truly worship because of what he did for me. God says to forget to get your vision right. You see, self-righteousness is to think that you deserve salvation. We didn't deserve salvation. Can I tell you something? There's not one good person on earth. I'm really gonna break somebody's heart. We're telling you this, but there's nobody good on earth. Nobody. Somebody said, Oh, she's a good person. He's a good no, they're not. No, they're not. No, they're not get them angry. Take away the filet of fish You see what's going to happen. Take my filet of fish away. You're going to find out real soon. Huh? Because there's nobody good on earth. You know who makes us good? Jesus. Because his goodness lives in us. So it's not my goodness in me. It's his goodness living out through me. And because of that, people can find out more about who he is. See, I don't reflect who I am. I reflect who he is through me. See, we are not the sun. We are the moon. The moon shines because of the reflection of the sun. Ah, I wish I had time. We are moons. We are not suns. Hallelujah. Therefore, when the, when you see, when you look at the moon, the moon is shining bright, yelling, though. Ah, real nice. But the only way that the moon really shines is because of the reflection of the sun in the middle of the night. Can I tell you that the son of God is still shining on you today? And the reason you shine is because his light is in you. That's what I love. Somebody got a love like Jesus. I got a love like Jesus. How many ever seen the movie Beauty and the Beast? Anybody seen the cartoon? Anybody saw the remake of it? All right. There's a guy in the movie called Gaston. Who remembers Gaston? Huh? That guy? Huh? He wanted Belle, right? He really wanted and liked Belle. He liked it. Ed- he liked it at Belle. <laughs> I liked it at her. He liked it at Belle. But Belle liked somebody else. She had an interest for somebody else. She was captured, but she had an interest for this beast. She had an interest in this in this beast. This 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 ugly. Beast that lived in a cave by himself, this beast that was consumed by his bitterness, this beast that was living in this in this in this dark place because of things that happened in his life. She loved him, but 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 the Gaston wanted her. And there was a point where he kept on getting rejected from Belle. Right? Yeah, I don't you guys know the story. And then he goes into this pub where he would go and hang out and he sings this song. And as I was getting ready to preach, and I was thinking about the song, No One, I I got reminded with the song uh, of of No One Like Gaston. huh? Where where the little guy comes to Gaston and says, well, Gaston, let me tell you. And And he goes on, he goes to Gaston and he tells Gaston, no one's slick like Gaston, no one's quick like Gaston, who plays darts like Gaston, who breaks hearts like Gaston. No one's next, incredibly thick as Gaston, for there's no man in town half as manly, perfect, and as paragon as a specimen. Yes, I'm intimidating. My, what a guy. I'm Gaston. This guy's talking about himself. He's pompous. He's narcissistic. He's building his own ego. You see, when we don't have Christ, we build our own egos. We build, we build our narcissistic thinking. Nobody's better than me. Nobody sings like me. Nobody worships like me. Nobody does work like me. It's all about me. Me, 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 me. Joe, Joe, Joe. It's all about me. If we were to flip that thing around, there was a guy that 2,000 years ago lived in this city named Nazareth. Huh? And he was a son of a carpenter. And he was living in this town. And, and, and if we could sing a song about him, it would look something like this. It would say, no one gives like Jesus. No one chases me down like Jesus. No one restores me like Jesus. No one heals me like Jesus. No one blesses me like Jesus. No one is compassionate like Jesus, Hallelujah! Not even Tom, not Beba, not Shelly. Shelley, no one fights like Jesus. No one defends me like Jesus. No one gives me joy like Jesus. No one died for me like Jesus. No one raised me to life like Jesus. No one saved me like Jesus! No one loves me like Jesus. Nobody. No one. No one loves me like Jesus. Hallelujah. And that's why I love the song No One because there's a part in there that says this: What did you see in me? In the dust that you made and you breathed life into us. You formed us with your fingertips whispering existence. Father for the orphan son, savior for the broken ones, there is no one greater. I wonder if you could stand up in this place right now and thank God because there's no one greater. Nobody loves me like him. Nobody chases me down like him. Nobody heals me like him. And if you're here today and you don't know him, if you're here today and you say, man, I thought I knew him. But this is going to require more of me this year. It's going to require me to love sacrifices. It's going to require me to forgive others the way Jesus forgave. It's going to require me extending mercy to other people. Even though I feel they don't deserve it. It's going to require more of me today. Because no one's like Jesus. Can you declare that today? No one is like Jesus. Lift up your hands all over this room. I feel the Holy Spirit moving in this place. I really do. I feel God moving in this place. And if you allow me. I want to I open up the altar in just a moment. Because I believe there's some people here that need to be healed. There's some people here that need to renew their minds. There's some people here that need to be reminded of his mercy because you're going to leave this room. You're going to leave this auditorium. You're going to go back into the marketplace tomorrow and you need to be the Jesus that somebody's never seen. No one loves like Jesus. I want to love like Jesus. So with all hands raised, I'm going to pray this prayer over you. And after I do this prayer, I'm going to do a prayer for salvation. I believe there's people in this room that need Jesus. And then after that prayer for salvation, we're going to open up the altar for those people that want restoration and need God's work to just happen in their life. So with all hands lifted and all eyes closed, this is you and God. This is you and God. Father God, we come before you. We thank you for the word and the worship. But now this is a moment for you to just, just finish out what you, you're doing in our hearts. Finish out what you're working in, in our lives. Lord, remove those things that are of hindrance to our walk with you. The bitterness and the pain. And maybe remembering what they did to us. And because of that, we can't love other people forward. To so extend mercy like you did. To live in your will and carry our cross. Denying ourselves just like you did. And to be the hands and feet of Jesus that somebody needs this week. As we go to work and we go to school. As we... Live out our lives as wives and husbands and single people. That we can live out the example of who you are. Shine the light of Jesus through that. Father, I ask you this. And now Holy Spirit, I I ask you to work in the hearts of those that are... are are seeking salvation and hungry to know who you are that after this prayer we will count and we will believe that there's people here right now that are going to say Jesus I want to follow you Jesus I want a relationship with you Jesus I want to love you just like you love me and we pray this in the name of Jesus and everybody says amen so on the count of three yes come on somebody celebrate we're going to go ahead and sing in just a moment But on the count of three, God has spoken into your life. You say, Pastor Manny, that's me. That's me. I'm the one that's bitter. I'm the one that's broken. I'm the one that keeps on remembering what they did to me. I'm the one that doesn't want to extend mercy. And I want to love just like Jesus loved. And I want Jesus to be in my heart. I I want to love like Jesus. Let me just give you this thing in parentheses. You don't have to clean yourself up before you come to Jesus. That's a lie of the enemy. You don't need to clean up before you come to him. You don't say, Well, I, is that I'm doing this? Is that I'm living with her? Is that I'm living with him? And I don't want to commit yet because I'm doing all those things. No, 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 no. You come to God and God cleans you. You don't clean up before you come to God. So God says, Come as you are. I'll do the rest. It may take six months. It may take three days. But let me work in you. So on the count of three, number one, two, Three, lift up your hand if you're here and you want to be saved today. Come on. I see one person right there. I see another one. Come on. We hope this message has inspired you. As a place of hope, our church is committed to reach our community. If you'd like more information about New Birth, visit our website at nbplaceofhope.com.